You, you keep trying to persuade us you're good at marketing. If you weren't any good at marketing, you wouldn't be in the job. The danger always when you come in new into a CMO role is to arrive with a toolkit, imagine you need to change everything. Because often it's, it's the, what I call the scorched earth strategy of like everything changes. And that's wrong because actually there's, there's often in so many businesses, amazing things already going on. And I think as a marketer, our gift is storytelling. Our gift is how do we show that world that, that we want people to see that, that, that real dynamic, vibrant uh, UK. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Uncensored CMO, the first edition that is also available as a video and audio appearing on YouTube. So if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, please click subscribe. Now, back to this week's episode. I'm very pleased to be joined by a top 100 CMO, none other than Pete Marquis from Boots. Peter's had an amazing career. He's done a lot. He's achieved a lot. And Boots have done some brilliant work over the last two or three years fighting recession and COVID. And uh, in fact, they've been nominated as Brand of the Year, not just by Marketing Society, but also Marketing Week. So this is a great example of a CMO at the top of their game. And what I love about Pete is he's very open and honest about what it takes to be a great CMO. He's got a brilliant track record and he's very generous with his, um, you know, with, with his advice. So this is a really great episode. You'll learn a lot from Pete about how to be a great marketer and how to cut it at the very, very top of your game. So without further ado, let's get into my episode with Pete Markey. And so, Pete, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. I'm honoured to be here then for the first of this new experience. Yeah, There you go, guest number one. And, and producer James was very kind, actually, because he, he got me this uh, lovely award here just to celebrate becoming the world's number one marketing podcast by John Evans. Nice. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so the only podcast. The only Evans. podcast, but, anyway, but now an award-winning one Indeed, too. indeed. Yeah. So awarded by myself. But we'll come back to awards, of course, in the episode, because uh, you've won a few in your time and it'd be good to... Uh, good to talk about those. Now, of course, it's Christmas. Uh, we, we are mere weeks away from Christmas. And just, for, well, firstly, congratulations on a great Christmas ad. So well done and made five stars on the, uh, on the System 1 test. Tell me a bit about the, um, the ad and how it came about and uh, how, it's, how it's done for you. I described it as the difficult second album because we had a, a really great campaign last Christmas called Bags of Joy, which had Jenna Coleman in it. And it was the biggest Boots Christmas campaign for over five years. And we hadn't really been known or that legendary for great Christmas ads. And so last year was really hard. How do we come back? We'd had COVID, create something magical that's going to connect with people and also drive uh, you know, traffic in stores and online. It did so well. You then reach this year and go, golly, how, how do we do it all again? That difficult second album. And we approached it through the lens of consumer insight. So uh, how are people feeling about Christmas this year? Cost of living is front of mind. So it's about value for money. But we know people want joy. They want a joyful Christmas where they can connect with loved ones, give meaningful individual gifts. So that's what we threw into the work. How do we show some work that's joyful, but about meaningful giving? And what was great is we worked with System One. We developed it from the script and storyboard right the way through to the final edit and stayed directly there for, uh, through the System One work to be completely in touch with how people were feeling, uh, how people's brain patterns were working, the sentiment they were taking away. And what was great is not just in the research phase, but as we put it live, People have really responded to that. They've lent in and gone, yeah, that's the kind of Christmas I want to have. It's about special moments, about meaningful giving. And it doesn't half help having a, a, what my son would describe as an absolute banger on the, uh, on the advert with the Hall & Oates track, uh, You Make My Dreams Come True. So it's, it's working well and people are rediscovering the joy of Hall & Oates as well. So what's well, not to like? What's not to like exactly there. Uh, but, but music is powerful, isn't it? And Christmas is one of those times, you know, the, the, the number one at Christmas is often quite different to the number one the rest of the year and so on. 
Um, why do you why do you think that uh, retailers in particular are so good at Christmas ads? Because I looked down the System One list and it is packed full of retailers. You got, I mean, obviously you got yourselves, you got M and S, you got Tesco, um, Aldi, Lidl in there as well. I mean, it's an amazing year for retailers. What is it about retailers that mean they really bring their game at Christmas? Well, you're right. It has been an incredible year, and actually, I, I think having a crop of really good Christmas ads is a good thing. Because it means consumers lean forward and, and, and they take an interest in, in all the ads that are out there. So for me, it's always been a compliment that Boots is in the list that's talked about. Yes. So you never set out to, make, to go, let's make the best Christmas ad better than anyone else. At no point have we gone, let's try and beat company A or company B. We've mm. gone, let's make the best ad for us. And to answer your question, Christmas is really important because for most retailers, this is a big moment. This is the moment when it, it uh, is pivotal in the year because of the opportunity you've got to connect with customers yeah. and the potential uh, financial benefit that that drives. So therefore, it's really important to get it right. Yeah. You know, particularly if you're a grocer, it's that turkey moment, isn't it? And, 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 and therefore, everyone's out to win. But as I said a moment ago, for me, I, what I love is a crop of great ads. And we've seen that in the System 1 rankings. You've got at least... 12 or so really strong ads, five stars or above. Um, that's got to be a good thing for people leaning in. And also it makes people feel more festive, which means they, yeah. they feel like shopping. So yes. it's great. So that, that's, that's a win-win for everyone. Well, it's funny. It's one of those funny things, actually, that we've been talking a lot about System 1 is that um, obviously we're facing tough times, right? Cost of living crisis, you know, war in Ukraine, global uncertainty, inflation. You know, th- there's a lot of challenges, you know, aren't there, that we're facing in society. And often advertisers ask us, well, do they need to kind of lean into that and do they need to reflect it? But actually what I think your advertising demonstrates so well is that actually people want a bit of escapism. They want to celebrate what's great about Christmas, the one time we can kind of forget about it all you know, to some extent. But I wanted to ask you, um, where did your idea, your positioning in terms of joy come from? How did you land that positioning and why does that work particularly for Boots? Joy is just such a powerful word, isn't it? I mean, it, it's so connected to, to Christmas, I think. And when we did the work uh, where we got into joy last year with Bags of Joy, we did a lot of, lot of research around what, what does it feel like when you give something meaningful to the people you love? How do you feel and how do they feel? And the word that's kept coming about was joy. And we connect that right into actually we, we, we've made uh, gifting so much easier at Boots and so much more affordable. Actually, that in itself is, give, is making uh, gifting easier and, and, the, and the shopping experience more joyful. So you bring all that, those things together, you go, this whole thing is wrapped up in joy. It's actually joyful to shop and get something meaningful for someone, and it's joyful to give them the gift and to see their joy. So we've built on that theme this year. So we really feel we can we can own more of that that feeling of joy. But it has to be throughout the customer experience. It has to be it's the meaningful giving, but making that shopping experience itself a delight. Because often Christmas shopping can be quite stressful. So from visiting the website to visiting a store, the whole thing's wrapped up in in joy for joy for all and inclusive wonderful, joyful Christmas. Now, of course, last two or three years have been a bit of a challenge for high street retailers, right? So we've gone from kind of COVID, lockdown, out of lockdown, back into lockdown, global recession and all that means. Um, What's it been like kind of being the CMO of a high street retailer? How have you faced into, I mean, pretty severe challenges? I mean, from the supply chain through to stores being shut through to people not on the high street as as they were. How have you you managed to plan through what is quite a turbulent two or three years, pretty much since you took over, right? It is, yeah. I mean, I, I arrived in February 2021, and um, it, it Boots is, first of all, Boots is a wonderful brand to work on. I, I genuinely wake up each morning and feel privileged to work on this brand. It's incredible. I grew up with this brand. Um, I've loved it from afar. I've known people who've sat in my shoes previously, some icons of marketing who I've followed and admired. 
So to find myself in this job is 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 genuinely a moment. I kick myself each day, going, "This this brand is incredible. The opportunity we've got with this brand is incre- incredible." But as you say, it's been a challenging few years. It's been it's not been easy. We've yeah. come through COVID. We've now got financial challenges in people's lives. The critical learning, I think, for us as a brand is around relevance. So during COVID, and, and this, some of this obviously predates me, what the business did is really lent in to the mood of the nation, which was desperate for help and advice during COVID. We responded with really great content, great video content, advice, support for people who are battling this difficult uh, pandemic. And then we helped with testing and then the vaccination rollout. And it was all about really being in with the drumbeat and the heartbeat of the nation, how they were feeling. And then we've just built on that as we've come out of COVID to go, how do we just increase our relevance in people's lives? We had a a moment, the biggest first campaign I worked on, we actually called Phoenix, which was summer 2021. And um, the insight from that was people wanted to uh, emerge from lockdown and feel good as new again. And we'd worked out, we'd done a whole bunch of things that were brand new and exciting. We'd we'd almost rebuilt the business during COVID. And we could have done a bit of a a kind of a preachy campaign, like uh, now we're new at boots, you know. And actually what we worked through is that if we lent into the insight like we did in COVID and went, we've got solutions for exactly how people are feeling. That's quite a powerful combination. So the heart of that campaign was that we know you, everyone wants to get rid of the tracksuit bottoms we've all sat in. We want to go out and properly go out, out again and reconnect with loved ones again, feel beautiful, feel amazing. We've got more beauty suppliers now, Boots. We've got a health hub that can help you as you want to feel healthy again. That powerful combination. So that's that's been the insight. And then coming through now into a cost of living crisis, again, it's how do we reflect the current time? So we've we've launched Price Advantage on the Advantage card. So Advantage card holders get special discounts on products in store. That's doing really well. We've added a million new Advantage card holders in the last year, uh, mainly as a result of that. Um, we've uh, done a lot of work by price. We had a price lock, uh, and we've got more exciting value work coming through in the new year that I can't yet talk about. Um, all of that is about keeping in step with our customers and their lives. And I, and I use that word again. For me in retail, more than anywhere, relevance is so important. How do we stay really relevant in people's lives? And um, I talk a lot with our creative agency at WPP around creating more wow boots moments and less, oh, that's good old boots moments. So yeah, good old boots is not that helpful. We're, we're 93% spontaneous awareness. People genuinely love the brand, that's great. But the wow boots is a reason to engage with boots today, not a reason to think nostalgically about an experience you may have had previously. Uh, so we're going to have more of those moments, more of those wow boots moments going forwards. Now, you talked about relevance. Actually, one thing I really admire about the work you do is how inclusive it is and how it kind of reflects the diversity of the nation. And I know we worked together on the Feeling Scene report at ITV, and it was wonderful because the Get Ready for Summer campaign, if I remember, was like a 4.5 star, went up to 5.7 star, reflecting older women, which was great. And, and, and I think you've carried that commitment to reflect the nation in, in, you know, in its diverse elements super, super well. I think it's it's really important that um, we've all got a role to play, I think, to show the world, to show society that, that we want to see. Um, and that includes showing the rich tapestry of, of uh, the amazing people we have in the UK today, who in Boots we serve up and down the country every single day. So we make sure in all our work that we have diversity, equity and inclusion front and centre, but not what I call in a tokenistic way. So there's no point we sit there with a checklist of, well, we must have th- this item in it or this thing actually go how do we collectively tell a story and how do we then weave through it the people we serve every single day and reflect those people and reflect that audience in a way um and i think that's the right way to do it i i would yeah we stay well away of 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 that tick box formula it's got to be about a genuine authentic story um 
I think brands could play such an important role of saying, actually, this is the UK today. Um, yeah, we, we featured a, a, an amazing uh, actor uh, called Tom, who plays a character called Carl in our Christmas ad, who transforms into a wonderful drag queen. Yeah, and that that's when we haven't done that to go. Oh, look, there's a diversity moment. We've gone that fits in the story. You know, it, it, he's wonderful. He he does drag uh, it, it outside of the advert in real life, and we've produced a moment that is wonderful and magical, but without having to go. Oh, look, there's our diversity moment, or there's a. It's part of the story. It's part of the narrative. And I think as a marketer, our gift is storytelling. Our gift is how do we show that world that that we want people to see that 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 real dynamic vibrant uh, uk which is rich and diverse it's wonderful one of the one of the lessons i, I certainly learned when we wrote the report um you know and collaborated with, with the advertiser yourself is the importance of telling one person's story well rather than trying to represent a group badly and i think that's kind of partly what you touched on is that some advertisers try and kind of tick every box so in you know in the opening scene we need to make sure we've got every single you know possible demographic represented but actually where it works well is if you like you talked about the drag queen is where you show an authentic story that's believable and it's much better to do that i think than try and sort of include everyone because what we found in the study was you try and include everyone you kind of include no one actually no one feels seen um, the other thing I thought, you know, that you've done particularly well as well is represented older age groups. And I know we recently did a Wise Up report looking at kind of how older people feel. And that's amazing insight, actually, because um, we were going to call it Feeling Seen, kind of, you know, the older edition. But actually what we found out is older people don't want to be seen in the same way that other groups do. They want to be portrayed in a better light. And it was quite an interesting difference, actually, because we found when we did the testing that in most cases the score went down when older people were represented. But actually, there were some clues as to, you know, we want to be seen as contributing to society, not retiring. Or, you know, we want to be seen as, you know, having fun rather than being, you know, all very serious. Or, you know, celebrate our friendships. Or the fact that we are part of, you know, a, 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 you know society and relationships and so on. But I think that's something that you've done very well, isn't it, is, is shown older age groups. So talk to me about how you're representing, you know, older people. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it, it's really important that, if we're going to represent the customers we serve, that we also show older audiences. And um, we have a, an amazing customer base. We have 15.3 million Advantage card holders, a number of whom have been with us for all 25 years of having an Advantage card. So we do serve an older age group, and we have products in store that directly fit an older demographic. So it's really important that in our work we also reflect that. Um, I, I think it's part of the, I guess, the key reason for us is that I, I do think people do want to see... I'm with you. I think they may not want to see like an ad just about a certain age group, but if we were doing, say, our summer campaign last year, summer better be ready. In that, we reflected a good breadth of of ages and demographics to to tell a really good story about summer. And that 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 campaign again, System One helped us develop it. Amazing campaign. We just had the ROI ROI back, and it was very 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 good. And it all again this uh, this coming the summer coming. Um, but it's really important that we did show, you know, that these, this is a, a, a spectrum of the people that shop at Boots every day. And that will include an older, a fantastic, amazing older audience. Um, I think in that way, when it's part of the storytelling, it just flows and it works. Again, it, 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 we've tried to do it in a more meaningful narrative way, as opposed to trying to just pinpoint and go, it's just about, about this story over here. Um, yeah, so I think we'll, con- we'll definitely continue to work, work in that vein. Um, I think what's been particularly exciting is we work a lot more closely as Boots with, with Number 7 as a brand now as well. And there's, there's a lovely connection between the brands and who we serve. So we're working together to make sure we reflect the right mix of older and younger 
uh, in all of our work through Boots and Number Seven. Hopefully, you'll, you've, you will have seen some of that play through in, in, in the last, uh, at least particularly in the last year and a half, um, including the work we've done most recently together on, on the menopause, which has been a really groundbreaking bit of work. We've taken it into some of our work with ITV as well. So it's um, so now I, I think that bit uh, for me, the heart of it is is how do you reflect the people you serve every day, but in a really authentic, and meaningful storytelling way. Um, that um, yeah, that, that that does everyone justice. I think yeah, yes. great. I, I'm glad you mentioned the menopause actually, because that, that that was quite striking the campaign. But you you, you have lent into quite a few. I, I guess what you might call purpose led campaigns. Is that a conscious strategy? Because I know, I mean, in marketing, like we seem to like knock ourselves out with arguments over does purpose work and when to do it and that kind of thing. So what's your point of view on the role of purpose for a brand like Boots and uh, can it deliver profit as well as as well as good outcomes? Yeah, I think purpose is massively important. Um, it's one of the first things I set out to do joining Boots is, is go, let's just relook at our purpose. Um, the danger always when you come in new into a CMO role is to Arrive with a toolkit, imagine you need to change everything. So I always start with bottling the magic. What's really working well? Who's brilliant? Let's let's get my arms around it. What's amazing? And let's make sure we don't lose that. Because often it's it's the, what I call the scorched earth strategy of like everything changes. And that's wrong because actually there's, there's often in so many businesses, amazing things already going on. What's interesting in the purpose of Boots is there is a clear purpose in the way we work and operate, but we just hadn't articulated it in a crisp enough way. And for 10 years, we talked about let's feel good. It was about feeling good. And that had really started to erode because, you know, after COVID and during COVID, there were moments we didn't want to feel good. We work with Macmillan. We have people coming in stores who are having chemotherapy, battling cancer, amazing people. And you can't say let's feel good. There's moments you go, actually, it's okay if you're not feeling good, but we can help here, here and here. And what became really clear in the work we did is that Boots we are there to serve our customers' well-being for life through every aspect of life, from the, the, the highs and the lows, the easy times and the more difficult times. And we've articulated that as boots with you for life. Um, and that's resonated really well, both within the business and outside it. So what we haven't done is had to go and uh, almost like recreate, the, we had to re-articulate it, which I think is much easier. I think purpose is super powerful and it's really important for a brand like Boots. We're in a number of markets where you can easily become commoditized. Beauty is one where you could be one click away from you know, a cheaper thing here or a cheaper thing there. Having equity in your brand, your brand has meaning and trust um, people trust your, your beauty advisors in store. They trust your pharmacist. That's really important. And I think you could, I, I would argue you can do both. I mean, I think you, you know, never drink the Kool-Aid on your own purpose. No, you have to make sure it really resonates with customers. And again, it's relevant in their lives. You know, it isn't just a sort of floaty sentiment of, we're, oh, we're here. And you know, actually, it has to have real meaning. So we, we work on a four-box model where we demonstrate the brand purpose through not just communication, but our products, our services, our people and our culture, and the environment and channels in which people experience the Boots brand. And therefore, it beca- it's real and it's authentic. And we know it does drive. It does, does drive both profit, but also drives staff engagement and, and uh, customer engagement. And that's how you build the brand in the long term. Well, I think the key thing there is purpose. Uh, sorry, is authenticity, isn't it? Because what you've done there is you've discovered what the purpose of the business itself is and what, what you're there to serve, as opposed to what you sometimes see is we're going to suddenly align with some other organisation that doesn't make any sense. And you're, you're sort of tacking purpose onto your brand to some get some halo benefit. But actually what I love about that is you really understood why do people shop in boots? What are their needs? What, and what's your role in that? Which is, which is fantastic. It's really, and particularly for, for people in the business, then they get behind it, believe it and go, right, we're, we're right behind this. And then, it, then it's not a slogan. It's why I like that four box model is there's a danger. It becomes a marketing project or marketing have developed a new strap line. Yeah. 
almost automatically failed at that. If it's, we're doing this together. And when we relaunched the, the brand with With You For Life, it was very much from the leadership right the way down, this is us, we're doing this. And it was never positioned as, right now we're rolling out marketing to play a mood film and then off we go. It was, no, this is our business, this is what we do. Um, and I love being in meetings now where people are talking about With You For Life, and I, I, unprompted by me. And that's brilliant because it means we're doing this together. It's the business. It's not just a marketing thing. Well, that, that, that's a really interesting question because, um, you know, you're very good at telling your story externally. I mean, reading the trade press, for example, uh, you're, you're amazing at it. How do you do that internally within Boots? And what's the role of that? Because I think it's quite powerful to, to see how you galvanize. Well, it's quite a big organization, isn't it? Where, you know, employ a lot of people up and down the country. It's a lost art of marketing, isn't it? Marketing, marketing, <laughs> isn't it? So often we're focused yeah. on doing an amazing job promoting what we're about and what we do to our customers that we forget telling the story internally so um what i what i've always done in in uh, well particularly in the last three or four jobs is quite a narrative for marketing as i've come in a one pager what are we here to do how do we fit with the business's strategy what can you rely on us to deliver and then sell that into the business uh, with the commitment of this is what we're doing and align it back to align it so close to what the business is trying to do. So it's not this disconnected sort of floaty thing. It's right. The business is trying to do this. The role of marketing of the brand is we're moving in this direction to support that growth, to drive that. And this is what we're doing. And that's become a really powerful tool to just show real alignment. I've developed, particularly at Boots, a great relationship with the finance team. It's been amazing to, to run what I call open book budget. So Come and have a look at anything we're doing, any ROI, any measurement, anything, because I want to be completely transparent. And there's no, there's no pet projects. No one can come and lift a lid and go, oh, why are you doing that thing? Everything I can go, right, we're doing it to drive that lever there, that growth bit, back to the one-pager, because we're trying to grow this and achieve this together. And it's meant stopping a few things in boots, but it means we are laser-sharp focused on, on what we're there to do. And then it's, direct, it's much easier for me to then talk at the exec around what we're doing because there is that single clear narrative. So it's an obvious point, but it, communicate, communicate, communicate. It's just so important in, in, in a CMO's role. I, I love that bit of advice because it's a forgotten bit of advice about getting the CFO and the finance department on side, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, marketing can be seen as a cost. And when things are go you know when when things are tough it's very often seen as a cost center to cut rather than an investment to make so if you can get finance on the side then you can suddenly be a you know source investment rather than being oh right we've got to cut pete's budget because you know we've got to hit a number sort of thing so yeah that's quite powerful, it's yeah. much better isn't it when you're in a position where hopefully the finance team come to you and go we, we want to grow the business further we can see what you're doing is delivering yeah could we invest more in what you're yeah. doing brilliant and then you're right it's that word investment versus cost critical yeah Hundred um, percent. Now n- another awards this year as well, just to congratulate you on. Although shortlisted, of course, uh, Marketing Society Brand of the Year and Marketing Week Brand of the Year, shortlisted on both. Is that right? We were, yeah. And and it was look it, it, again. It's a huge honour, isn't it, to be on the list? You step back and look at these brands from Channel Four to Lego, Tony's Chocolates, Dove, and others. And um, I mean, we lost out at the Marketing Week. Aldi won. I've had a phenomenal year. Great, great work there. And then Dove, uh, who we, we obviously we work with Dove, Dove won at the Marketing Society Awards. So it was, a, it was a lovely to be in the list. And also when you see others win and amazing brands win for great work, you, you, you almost feel more honoured to be in that list because you go, well, we're with them. So who knows? We, we, we'll, we'll be back ourselves next year. But yeah, amazing to see those brands do well as well. It's good company to keep, isn't it? Um, yeah. Just, just, so just on that, so you've had a great year and, and congratulations on that. W- what was it about this year that got you onto the shortlist? Could you talk me through the kind of key to that success? I think it was reconnecting with people, reconnecting boots with consumers in a way we hadn't done for a long time. Um, I think we were in danger of falling into that um, 
brand that you, you know is good old boots, that brand where you go, oh, yeah, boots, they're good, they do this, that, and the other. What we've really worked hard to do is was to reintroduce. It's like that that friend you haven't seen for a while, and you meet them again, you go, oh, you've changed your hair, and golly, you've got a new suit on. You know, And the, that's the, that's for me what we've, we've, we've done really in the last you know, just under two years now. Reintroduced people to Boots and said, this is Boots today. It's everything you know and love, but look at all these amazing new beauty brands, all these new health and wellness services, um, all these new experiences online and in store. Hello, this is us. Um, and that's really connected with people. We can see it in our brand metrics. We can see it in the ROI. We can see it in the the energy and momentum that the business has got now as well. Um, and that's only, I'm just so excited about what we're going to do next year. That's even more in the DNA of our plans in the year ahead. Oh, fantastic. Very, very exciting. Well, well done. And um, one of the bits of innovation that's come out this year, I think, you know, beyond necessary products and advertising and, and, and your engagement has been using Boots as, as a media as well in terms of retail media. I thought that was quite interesting. And there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about retail media being the next big thing. So, and, and you mentioned earlier 15 million, I think, Advantage card. That's a pretty phenomenal bit of data to have your hands on you know you must know a lot about people and their shopping habits us down the country so how are you as boots using that data uh you know to help your i guess your own marketing and, and the marketing of your partners as well that you know you have you stock in boots i presume yeah, it's been another really good success story in the last year boots media group and it's successful because we we work with amazing brands you know we work with the biggest and best brands that we stock every single day and we help connect them with our customers, so together we win. So it's a sort of winning combination. And that's everything from our own channels through to now paid media. We have a partnership with ITV where you know you can now uh, buy media through us with ITV and then connect with our audiences through video on demand, for example. Um, and we do the same on other, other channels now as well. So it's a proper 360 degree media offering. Also includes measurement and uh, full insight into our audiences and customers. So um, very rich offering. Um, and it's done really well. And the team who work on it uh, in the Boots Media Group are just a fantastic, fantastic, really high energy, very driven team. But you're right, the heart of it is data. And it's something we never take for granted is that the, the trust people have in the brand is something that we, 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 you know, we will always view as sacred and special. So absolutely, we will, we will take relevant brands to our customers and promote them. But we'll never take for granted and you know, that relationship in the way we wouldn't talk to you about things that are just untargeted already. We never do. Um, I once worked when my insurance days, one of the instructions, uh, we we're having a difficult insurance month. It was email everyone on the database. It was one of that moment. This was about a decade ago. It's like if, if, they, if, if they've got an email address, send them something. Um, we clearly never do that. It's all about focus, targeted, back to relevance again. You, you know, and that, that, that's why it works for us and suppliers. And it's why I think we've regrown the Advantage Card base because people realize they've got trust in the brand. What we're offering is a real value exchange. Um, and we're giving people relevant uh, product services and, and, and offers in their life. And that's been particularly true. We've had very strong you know, results so far uh, over the, the Christmas season. And I think that's a lot to do with with, with putting the right thing in front of someone at the, at the right time. That's what Boots Media Group's all about. And presumably you use your own media for your own campaigns as well, do you, to, you know, number seven and for Boots as well? Yeah, yeah. we do. And, and obviously there's a, there's a nice overlap there because we, we do an email, for example, a £10 Tuesday email. Well, that will have supplier content in it. So it's our vehicle that promote other things, but it also has supplier content. So so Boots Media Group works in what we call the, we have a corporate plan, i.e. that that's the Boots plan for the year. And more and more, our, our activities with Beats media, media Group just slots into that. Love Island being a great example. So if a plan for Love Island, that's part of what we do. But suppliers get involved with Love Island as well. And we feature amazing supplier brands in the Love Island villa. Um, so, yeah, it's all about bringing those plans together. 
I noticed that the last couple of things I saw on your LinkedIn, you had, you had your Christmas campaign, which is getting a lot of love from Time Out, and obviously you made the system on charts as well. And then there was Black Friday as well. So it, it, it was a, a perfect example of long and the short happening at the same time, you know, sort of big brand building efforts and really strong call to action. So um, how, was, how was Black Friday for you? And, and how, do you, how did you make the most of that retail event to sort of drive people into Boots? The great thing about Boots, um, and it's particularly true on Black Friday, is there's no one team that can go, oh, well, my team delivered Black Friday. The journey to Black Friday and to Christmas is having an amazing team delivering offers, deals, working with great supplier brands. You know, the, the warehouse a capability we've got, .com, and IT, making sure the website is up for the challenge, and then obviously the marketing to deliver it. And what's been great so far is seeing all of, all of those teams work really well in a synchronized fashion. And we've had some very good results over the last few days. Um, I say that with hesitation because we've got, we've got more of Christmas to come. So, so, so far, wonderful, you know, and we've got more weeks to keep doing this, which is great, what I love about Christmas. But it is, it is so much about that join up and that effort as a marketing team, because the marketing only works if you've got great content. So a lot of what the team do is around how do we work together to get the amazing content into all our activity, take it out there, and then ensure we can fulfil it everywhere we go. So yeah, it's an and exciting Christmas can, time. Can you connect the two things together? Can you see the benefit of your communication impacting on the effectiveness of Black Friday? Can you can you connect those things quite directly? Yeah, I mean, we, we can do it, uh, obviously, later on through econometrics. We, and we, we, we got some very good evidence last year of what worked and things we might cause correct. That's fed into our activity and our plans this year. But even... Um, immediate things. So we had a 20-second Black Friday edit of our Joyful ad that played during I'm a Celebrity, the final. Um, and in that, you could see the spike on Boots.com when that ad played out. So even TV, and TV is still, I think, whilst other channels are still amazing too, TV is remains very powerful. And you can see quite quickly in the data, even when TV is working at a response level and a brand level. And we always see when the Christmas campaign, well, sorry, always, as in the last two years since we've really gone for it at Christmas again, you can see the uplift the minute the campaign launches. You can see that increase in interest uh, through Boots.com and interest around the, the content again. But yeah, it's all about having great content. Now, back to the awards. Uh, you've also uh, made the Marketing Week Top 100 CMO list and the Campaign Power list. I don't know how many, how much crossover is in, there, in those two lists. I don't, have you done the maths on it? Are you? I've, no, I've never done it. it it's always um, it's always a great group to be with. Actually, well, one thing I, I love is it, it's a small world in marketing. And the number of people I meet who I either used to work with or I've met in the industry who I genuinely count as really good friends now, it, it, it has a family feel to it. And um, But it is very much what goes around comes around. I, I, I'm very glad that over the career I've had so far, I've met amazing people and always parted on really good terms with everyone and built relationships up. So it is, it is a fantastic network of people. I mean, the number of WhatsApp groups with things like the Marketing Academy and the Fellowship where swap ideas and, you know, someone who could help with this or an agency for that. It's a great, it's a great network. So, um, so yeah, every year again, it's something I never take for granted. And um, this year with Campaign, we, we got to do a, a photo shoot as well, which was great to be, meet other CMOs and, uh, and be, be in a Hollywood-style photo shoot. I've never had that before. It was one of the only times my kids were impressed when I brought Campaign Magazine back. They went, oh, that looks good. So yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what is the secret to a campaign power one hundred CMO? So I think the CMO job these days is so much more exciting than what a marketing director would have done when I started my career in in, in the mid nineteen nineties. So um, marketing directors of old in the nineteen nineties, and, and I take from my experience, British Gas. So others may have had a different experience, but 
yeah, heroism was was you had a fantastic brand campaign. So British Gas, it was right. You know, we we, we need to go to South Africa and we're going to film this ad. It's all about the heroism of the ad. And if you worked on data driven or when digital was starting, those were sort of well, that's very interesting, but it's over here. What's so exciting now is a CMO job is about so much more than that. I think it's about being part artist still. So you still need to appreciate great creative work. So actually, you will have those great brand moments. You need to know what you're doing. You need to know how you create great content. But you also need to be part scientist now as well. You need to know, be all over the numbers, what's working, what's not, how you measure it, how it links to the how your business works and operates and how your business drives growth. Because then you can properly be commercial. So I don't think as a CMO you can be uh, just purely creative now. You've got to bring in that science as well. And then you, you asked me this brilliantly a moment ago. You need to be part, I think, almost like a, a, a voice of marketing in the business. You need to ch- be a champion within that business to champion and communicate what you're doing and what you're about. Because if the business is spending or investing money in what you do, you need to be super clear what it's doing and, and the, the value it's driving and the difference it makes, particularly during challenging times like we're, you know, we're facing into uh, collectively as a nation at the moment. I, I think it's fascinating people's perception of what a CMO does versus what they actually do. I, me- I remember being asked it when I was you know, doing a CMO role on LucasAid and I said, well, actually what I do, I do, um, you know, I do annual plans, I do people planning, I do strategy, I do commercial, I have to go and present to Tesco or, and Boots as well, you know, and, uh, you know, or I might be doing pricing. Um, and I probably, I've worked out, I probably spent between five and 10% on the marketing or what people like to call the marketing. This is the kind of fun, you know, communication and PR and stuff like that. But the, and, and, and sometimes as a CMO, you're not even the best marketer, you know, in terms of the traditional sense, but you're, you, you know, you bring other skill sets. But so how does a CMO role differ maybe to how people might perceive the role? There are those moments, aren't there, when you, you kick yourself and you go, wow, I'm now here filming this Christmas ad and it's amazing and filming it in September. But you're right, those, those moments aren't in the job all the time. A lot of it is managing tightly the day-to-day. For me, the way I like to run the team is to unleash people's potential. So I, yeah, we set a framework together where we're trying to go as a team, but at no point am I ever trying to micromanage what's going on. It would just be, A, impossible in a business like Boots. It's also not my style. But also, what I'm loving is seeing talent kind of pour through the team, amazing people just be unleashed to be brilliant. That's what it should be as a CMO. And you're right, it becomes less about the hands-on in what you do. It's about the orchestration of finding amazing people, harnessing amazing people, and just letting them be amazing. Let them be brilliant. Let them flourish, let them grow, and then everyone succeeds and create more and more moments for them to succeed. And then you're there providing the strategic oversight, the direction, and hopefully then dealing with, as you say, some of the more difficult uh tougher questions or challenges behind the scenes so the team can just get on and deliver and be amazing every day. Um, so it is quite liberating. I found it, when I first took on a CMO job, there was that scary moment of, I'm a bit less hands-on now. But when you get in the groove, you're like, no, this is actually amazing because um, it, it, it does allow people to be brilliant. It means together we can thrive and succeed. I, I remember the dawning moment for me where uh, we, we worked with Anthony Joshua on LucasAid Sport. And it, what a tremendous guy to work with. It was amazing. But I remember the moment for me was we did this brilliant uh, film, a 90 second film of, of, you know, of his life. And uh, it was that moment where I realized I wasn't getting invited to the photo shoot because I was like too seen. I, I basically, I, I got to sign the brief off. I got to pay for it. And then I get to do the internal comms, but I didn't get the fun of actually kind of, I think I might've got invited to the editing suite for the final edit. That was, a, I think I almost forced my way into, you know, can I, can I, can I, you know, take part. But it's that, it's that switch, isn't there? Is it, you know, you realise you go from the, the practitioner, the, you know, the person that's making the work, doing the campaign, developing the MPD or whatever. 
And then your role changes quite dramatically, doesn't it? Where it's more about the team, it's more about the strategy, it's creating permission for other people and that sort of thing. It's quite different. I saw this post the other day, actually, I thought it was quite funny that um, people were saying, well, there's four Ps for everyone, but there's six Ps for the, for the CMO and the extra two Ps are politics and persuasion. And I thought, that's about right, actually, isn't it? You know, because you're navigating the organisation, you're representing marketing, navigating the organisation and trying to persuade people like you do with a CMO, CFO rather, to... You know, to make stuff happen, it's a big part of the role, isn't it? It's huge. And I, I, in my insurance days, I was doing a global CMO job and I would go to the board once every two months to share our progress. And I thought, I wasn't cocky, but I thought this is going all right. And I, and I was being mentored by someone and I went to them and said, how's it going? And I expect them to go, oh, you're such all right, Pete. And I said, you know what, Pete, actually, you, you keep trying to persuade us you're good at marketing. Um, if you weren't any good at marketing, you wouldn't be in the job. You need to show us you, you're a great, bigger leader. And it really struck me that, you know what, actually, when you get to that CMO level, people aren't there going, does he know what he's doing in marketing? They, they're there for your wider contribution to the business. So part of also the CMO role, and I think at any point you get to a certain level in a business is you've got a wider contribution. So what's your voice on diversity, equity and inclusion, HR and culture, the direction IT is going in, uh, where are we going operationally? Um, what products we sell, what brands, you know, you need to have a voice on all those bits. You, you, know, you don't sort of sit and go around the table and go, I'm just waiting for the marketing bit. Actually, you've got a voice on everything because marketing isn't always going to be on the executive That's agenda. So true. I remember the first time I, I was on a board, actually, and um, the, the, I looked at the agenda on our first board meeting and there was 45 minutes at the end of the day for the marketing update. I was like, oh, what am I going to do for the other seven hours of the day? And then you realise it was kind of people issues or the factory's broken down or we've got an insurance issue or what's our five-year strategy and, you know, um, where are we with talent? And a, a, a range of, you know, fascinating, you know, how do we finance the business? And, you know, we're running out of cash and our loan notes are expiring and we've got to go to the bank. And it's incredible, actually. You realise that you, you suddenly become involved in the business really not marketing you say you represent marketing but you're actually in the business running the business Absolutely. it's quite a it's quite a change isn't it and I, I think anyone that I've ever coached or you know you know talked to about that step up it's always been about the non-marketing skill sets you know do you understand finance you know can you you know can you build teams can you kind of address business issues and can it, you know contribute you know a unique point of view and that sort of thing well those are the bits I think for anyone who's listening to this or watching this who wants to become a CMO that'd be one of the biggest bits of advice I'd give them is is go and get that groundwork in now don't stay in a silo in your job reach out to finance reach out to you know get to know the business you're in be as commercial as you can because then you, you'll be in a better place to have an opinion when you're on that journey and you get there you know you're more ready made for that job yeah, I remember being a bit wound up, being interviewed for a, for a CMO role. And uh, the, the interviewers were asking me a lot more about finance and, and, and a lot more about legal and, and those sorts of things. And it's true, isn't it? Because actually, you're not auditioning to be the best marketer in the team. You're auditioning to be a member of the exec and helping run a business and represent marketing, but also, also the business is quite different. Um, you, you do, I noticed you do quite a lot of mentoring. So, I mean, just building on that conversation, really, what advice would you give to somebody maybe earlier in their career, starting out there, they're looking at Pete Marquis thinking, that's what I want to be when I grow up sort of thing. Um, what advice would you give to them as they as they look at kind of progressing in marketing? Biggest bit of advice I give is around be curious, be curious about the business you're in. Find out how your business makes money, how marketing contributes, the role you can play and get to know that business inside out. And don't just become a good practitioner either in the broadest sense in marketing or just in marketing, but but commercial in its broadest sense 
that would be the, the, the greatest thing, I think. And the more curiosity you've got, it will open the door to opportunities. Um, I've, if I follow my career path, I'd love to say I had this deliberate plan. I didn't. I've sort of found my way by asking questions and getting connected to people. There's led to opportunities. You go, oh, okay, yeah, okay, if you're interested in that, well, maybe you could come and do that. Um, so curiosity leads you all sorts of interesting and really good places. And stay curious. Keep learning. I also think things, things like... Um, Mark Ritson's mini MBA is brilliant. Um, the Marketing Academy, if you can get on their, their, their scholarship or then the fellowship is brilliant. The Marketing Society do a great um, uh, leadership program. So you know, get in the slipstream of getting into those bits, build that network up, meet people, be curious about the business you're in and just, just keep learning. I did an MBA about 10 years ago. That was also amazing because just a chance to get to know how a business operates nuts and bolts. Um, so yeah, all those bits, but as hard as curiosity, as hard as learning. I wanted to ask you about one thing you mentioned there, actually, because I, I was looking back at your announcement for, you know, for your current job. And I think the campaign article led with describing you as a prolific networker. And it, it, it reminded me, actually, of a point in my career years and years ago, because when you're starting out, you know, you're looking at the back, well, back, back when we had magazines, of course, you know, you and I remember, the, you look at the back page of the magazines, it's like, oh, assistant brand manager for, you know, Tetley T or whatever, or oh, might fancy that. And then you realise that, at a point, roughly around head of marketing, the roles aren't advertised. You, you might get the odd Sunday Times kind of, you know, uh, uh, role, but broadly they're not advertised. And I remember um, going to a reverse headhunter. I didn't even know these existed, but someone said, oh, meet, meet uh, Claire, and uh, she's a reverse headhunter. Is it called reverse headhunter? Well, anyway, you pay them to, to get you in the job, basically. I'm not sure if it's reverse or not. But anyway, um, anyway, so I, I, I had the consultation meeting, decided the fees were a little bit steep, but it was actually great because she gave me a bit of advice that I'll never forget. And she said, because um, at the time I was trying to get a role, a private equity, a role in marketing, but in private equity, where you get a stake in the business. And she said to me, I bet you right now that if you go through your list, your, your contact list in your phone right now, there is somebody that works in the sector or knows somebody that works in the sector that can introduce you directly, um, you know, to, to the kind of job you want to do. And I was like, oh, come on. You know, there's no chance that I would know that, you know, that this is why I'm here. Anyway, I, and I remember leaving the building and I thought, oh, give it a go. I got to see and I went, oh, Chris. He, yeah, he's just sold his business, this private equity company. It's even in the same industry I'm in. So and I, found, I found out, Chris, I said, do you know anyone in private equity I should talk to? And he said, I'll text you three names and start this person and go down. Two weeks later, I had a job and it was the first contact on his list. It's incredible. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. But because, you know, because Chris introduced me to Oliver and there was that like, you know, Chris is going, you've got to meet John. He's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. He knows the sector. Easy, right kind of profile. That got me straight to the front of the queue and, and it was amazing. And, and I, I found since then, actually, that I rely much more on my network than I do any kind of official channels of, you know, applying for jobs or whatever. So, um, yeah, any advice on, on how to build a network? Again, because, I mean, you've got a prolific one, but if you, you know, maybe if you haven't, how do you go about doing that? I would um, get out. I said get out more. I think it's probably the obvious thing to say, but but get out to events, get to conferences. Um, I mean, the, the Drum Marketing Week campaign and others run amazing events through the year. Use that opportunity to get out and meet people. Go to awards events. Don't stay on your table. Go talk to people. Go connect with people. Get people to introduce you to other people. Do some of the training courses I mentioned a moment ago. Um, but be be active about it, and it helps if you like people. I mean, it's funny when people write that about me, I go, I've never consciously gone. I'm now I'm serially networking. I just go, I just like chatting to people and you get to know people and you go, oh, we, we quite like each other actually. So yeah, swap numbers and everything, you, know, you need my advice, you know, I've even had two or three people this week go, I want to connect you with this person and what advice. And that's the other bit, sorry, I'd say is, is 
you know, be careful when you say no. Say yes more than no. And sometimes I take on too much, but I go overboard to say yes to try and help people because I know that that ultimately uh, others have done that for me in the past. So I feel like there's a, I feel in the right way, that's my responsibility to pay back, to do the same, to help others out as well. So yeah, go out of your way, meet people, go to events, do stuff, um, and then go out of your way to be helpful. It's funny because I, I, I used to be, I'm sort of introvert, extrovert, and I used to be quite terrified of awards dinners. I was like, oh no, who am I going to sit next to? What am I going to say? And then I sort of turned it into a game where I was like, okay, how can I find a way to connect with every person on the table? How can I, you know, ask them about them? You know, how can I find out about their job? And then I just suddenly found it became easier and easier. And it's fascinating where it leads. And the thing that I always found surprising is it, it's never the contacts that you think are going to lead somewhere that do. It's often the most random situations where you end up at a, an awards dinner by accident. I mean, I, I once actually, I once um, got the got the day wrong on on an event, and um, in fact, I was due to be speaking at a sort of private dinner about marketing. Um, I actually got the month wrong. So I turned up at the venue at the right time, but the wrong month, right? It just so happened this was a regular monthly thing, but I turned up at the technology version, not the marketing version, and they thought I was a speaker. And it was just like, so I had to do a talk on the internet of things. And I thought I was there to talk about something else. And I felt so awkward. I didn't admit that I wasn't the speaker. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. So I had, had like, you know, a table of 12 people all in, in, in the technology business. And they said, right, John, we're, I didn't quite realize that I was the speaker until they introduced me. And I'm like, oh, what do I do now? So I just kind of talked about how marketing embraces technology and what it might lead to. And it was the most brilliant evening. And just we giggled and laughed and, you know, shared contacts. It's amazing. It, it, you know. So just sometimes there's some serendipity about these things where you just don't quite know what it's going to lead to. But. The thing is there around no, no experience is wasted. And actually things like that, if funny circumstances, things where you bump into people, often the most meaningful and wonderful things. I mean, I, I look back even on the hardest, most difficult jobs I've done. At no point do I go, I wish I'd not done that job. Even, even those hard moments, I go, actually, that thing led me into that or taught me that or connected me with someone over here. So yeah, no opportunity, no moment is wasted. And the other thing, I'm, it's lovely you were saying about, you know, giving as well, you're paying it forward, I suppose, and, and you're given that people have helped you. The other, the other advice I've often given people is just ask. Because I was, I remember being fired from my job at LucasAid and uh, ended up kind of having to start from scratch. And uh, I came up with this slightly crazy idea. I'm going to meet 100 people in 100 days. And I just wrote my list, right? These are the 100 people I'm going to meet. Oh, I didn't even get to 100 because, of course, you know, I didn't know that many people, but I got to 30 or 40. But what I did was each time I met someone, I said, so tell me, Pete, is there someone you think I should meet that might be interested in talking to someone like me? And I tried to get three names. And what I found is I filled the 100 up very quickly. And and nine out of 10 people were actually like you are, were actually, when asked, we're up for doing it. Because, you know, we all realise that, you know, that's that's how it goes. So I'd encourage anyone listening, watching as well, just reach out and ask. Even within the business you're in, don't feel afraid to come forward and go, you know, I want to ask you advice or hear about your career journey or... Um, you often find, as you say, people are more willing to help than you think they are. And I, and I think that also makes people stand out. If you make the effort to go and ask questions, again, back to curiosity, it makes you stand out. It does. And just being front of mind for people, because it, it, it's often not the case that you ask somebody, oh, I'd love a job doing this, and, that, and they happen to have a job doing that. But just by finding an excuse to build a relationship, then suddenly they'll ring you up out of the blue and go, oh, you know that coffee we had six months ago? Well, actually... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the job happens to come up and, and because, you know, you're front of mind and, and it goes. Um, well, maybe to round off, talk to me. Well, tell me what's ahead for Pete Marquis. So, what's, you know, what's, you know, as you look ahead to yourself, what's your, what's your next ambition? Well, we're, 
about to enter a new year, aren't we, very soon. Um, I'm really excited about the year ahead. Um, we have such exciting plans for Boots. Going to continue to develop and, and land with you for life. Lots more work on the customer experience. I, I'm keen to really stretch the role I'm in to have a, a bigger influence on what we're doing as a business, not just a, as, as a brand. Um, and personally, I'm, I'm interested in stretching myself in the year ahead. Uh, two or three years ago, I started learning improvised comedy, and I've started uh, learning advanced improvised comedy. So I, I want to do more. I want to do more things that slightly terrify me, um, that put me in an environment where I'm constantly learning uh, and having to think on my feet. And improv comedy is a great way and a terrifying way to do that. So I hope to do more of that, more creativity, um, and also more things in the industry. I'm really keen this year to... to, to do more mentoring, connect with more people, do what I can. Um, that would be a great year. So are we going to see a comedy night with Pete, featuring Pete Marquis in 2023? You never know. Watch this space. I think that would be... Watch, uh, watch be, this space. Well, can I have the first invite? I think that would be amazing. You're top of the... You, you, I'll find the first 100 people I know and Please. you'll be top of that list. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, that's amazing. Well, look, what a way to end. And, and good luck with that. I mean, that, that sounds really exciting and, uh, and and hope it goes well. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom on the Uncensored CMO. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. That was my interview with Pete Marquis uh, from Boots. I hope you enjoyed it. If you love that episode and you don't want to miss another one again, please do subscribe. So go over to Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to do that on video as well, now available on YouTube, hit subscribe over there and never miss an episode again. If you want to get in contact with me, I'm over on Twitter at Uncensored CMO, also on LinkedIn at John Evans as well. And if you'd like to give me a review, please do. I love reviews. Of course, don't forget that five stars is the best. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.